Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lifeblood. That's L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D. Lifeblood.co. Lifeblood is a bioenergetic focused supplement company. They really focus and hone in on the energy restoration process of the body. Um, Their website has a ton of great educational resources on it, uh, specifically for each of their products. Uh, Those products range everything from uh, lion's mane to chaga extracts. Um, They have vitamin E. Personally, I'm a big fan of their magnesium supplement. I use that consistently, especially during the winter months to get me through the stress that comes with living in the Northeast. Um, Their supplements, I really would like to highlight because they focus on the quality of their source material. There's no fillers. There's no chemical solvents in any of the uh, extractions. Um, And really, their products are some of the purest and highest quality in their class. So check them out. That's lifeblood.co, L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D dot C-O. If you use the promo code BETTERISM, you can save 10% off your order. That's lifeblood.co. All right, hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. You know me. I'm your host, Glenn. Today, we have a returning guest, Mr. Everyday Bite. TJ's a poet, spoken word artist, a writer. Um, TJ, man, welcome to the show. Welcome back. No, thanks, thanks for having me back, one. It's a pleasure. No doubt. Uh, it's been a while since we last chatted for yeah. podcast. You know, I know you and I have kind of been in touch personally, but there's been a lot since the last time we chatted. Yeah, you were one of my, my first guests when I was still learning the ropes on how this podcast thing works. But it was also, you know, like the beginning of COVID. I mean, like things yep. had, I think we were only a month or two into like, you know, lockdown life. Um, and we were talking a lot about like that adjustment period, but I figured we can kind of start off, you know, now that, you know, now that restrictions have kind of died off a little bit, we have some more of normalcy back. I figured we would kind of start off and just riff off of that. How has life changed or gone back to normal for you? Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a hermit anyway, so you know, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I coasted pretty well, like where I dealt with things pretty well, because I don't leave my apartment very often anyway. I'm usually like work, go home, do some writing. Uh, but I did miss, you know, I, I did miss, uh, miss going to the movie theater. I miss going to concerts, and and I miss performing. Um, but I've kind of like started checking those boxes off the list honestly just like this Mm. last week or so um yeah like this past weekend i went to uh my uh, in subtle bodies denny the guitarist he he's his like main thing is uh he's in a he's in a metal band um so they had their first show since before the pandemic on friday so i went to that and then saturday and sunday i got to perform out in the real world uh at a Saturday at a, at a pride event and then Sunday at like a small, uh, gathering in central park. 
but before that, I did one like off shoot kind of thing for like a, a youth organization. But yeah, this literally this past weekend is like my first uh, legit was like my first legit like uh, live performance again in front of people. Yeah, like not not on Zoom. <laughs> not on Zoom. Is it weird? Were you like rusty at all? Did you did you like find yourself like, was, catch uh, yourself stuttering or anything? I was good, but I was like really really fucking nervous because uh, it was like it was like not uh, what I was you know not what I'm used to in the sense like I mean most open mics you know they're either, it's like a cafe or a bookstore or it's like a very you know they're usually pretty intimate or they right. you know or like it's in the back of a bar where like. You're, you're battling, um, like, people that aren't there for the poetry or whatever it is. This right, was, right. like, um, like a, a, a pride festival where it was, like, here's a stage and here's the artist area where your food and your drinks are. And, like, we, we poetry, like, every, there's basically poetry, music, storytelling. There was, like, a lot of stuff going on, but yeah. every, every hour... Um, each artist basically had a slate uh, and like, so it was really nerve wracking to kind of step back in to something that was at like a higher level than anything I had really done before, you know, where I'm, it was other, like everyone else around me was like used to being on stages like that. And like, just um not like like you know they were all you know they were leveled up like they were all used to that kind of environment and so i was like i was like super nervous to like kind of be in that situation and and nervous because like if you're excited and and then you 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 just want to like do good and it's also for a good cause so you want to make sure that like you bring your all for that and then yeah right and then, and then you're like, you're like doing this thing you love and it's being put on a stage with like at an equal level to musicians and other forms of art where like it was, that was cool because I feel like poetry doesn't always get that. And yeah, uh, right. And like, I know it was like a thing internally that they had like the, the pride board and be so like it was kind of like they you know were pitched like hey what if we tried like spoken word this year uh and i used to live up there so they asked if i if i if i would mind if i could bring some other poets with me and um it was cool to kind of like have it get legitimized in that <laughs> right. in that in that sense to be like you know to be included with all these other right. av- avenues well, of creativity that like tend to are more digestible or like not that's like a bad word that makes it seem like um, <laughs> but you know I, I you know you're definitely there and you're like you're, you're not sure like like most people in the crowd are not there for poetry so you're like you have right. i was nervous because yeah i have an opportunity to like get them into poetry uh, yeah right and it's unique too because it's like something like that's much more structured than like an open mic yeah you know there's like a set list and like time limit and like you're on after this person or this mm-hmm. person's on after you and you gotta get off stage and stuff you know it's uh it's a different environment than your typical like spoken word night yeah. you know 
That's interesting. So you had to bring your own crew. Did you have to do anything like to prepare? I mean, especially being one of your first performances back in, you know, normal life. Um, did you do anything to like prep for this or did you just kind of wing no, it? No, yeah, yeah, because I um I haven't performed in a long time. Like I did some zooms here and there, but I just really wasn't into it. And then I got like real rusty. Uh, I mean, I, I've I've forgotten nearly all of the pieces I used to perform regularly, except mm. for like a ha- handful that like always stick with me. Right. Um, so I did, I did like a lot of like, uh, you know, first I was trying to force, force right things that would fit the festival and that, that felt really, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel organic. Right. And then I had had, uh, I had had a piece that I had done a few handful of times about my aunts, uh, who play really, big part of my life uh right. and and i and i i kind of I, but it, at the time when i used to do that like a year or two ago it was never fully finished so i really felt like zoned in on that piece and like worked it and actually would consider like finished it and then had to kind of relearn it because i changed the beats for it and then um it was also like a family event uh so like i trying to figure out to pull stuff that isn't like not to say it's family friendly but you know i tend to do like stuff more mental health related or like that's a, little, a little a little heavier uh so i had to kind of do my homework on my own work to figure out like i knew i wanted to bring like positivity and i knew i wanted to like talk about like love and but I wanted to do it, you know, my way. Like, I wanted it to be right. organic. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I spent, like, once I get in that mode, that's kind of all I do until the show comes is just obsessively practice. Um, and then uh, and then, I, and then I had to go first. And then it started, oh, man. It, it started, <laughs> it started raining on me. And then I, but that actually kind of felt like a rock star. Like I was like, I'm getting it's my, moment. Epic, I'm, get, yeah. I'm getting my rock star moment. It's like fucking pouring <laughs> on me. Uh, and then it was, and then, and then another poet of mine, uh, Lex, the friend of mine, Lex lyrics, uh, he came up and then he, so I, he did like the second hour set. And then the third hour, um, he, he had to go back downtown for another event that he was doing. And so then the third hour I, had, I did like two, like, different ones and then i was it was cool i actually got to introduce like a high school student from oh, there cool and he uh had a, a poem basically about coming out and then so that was kind of like a, a pretty touching and profound moment um, yeah that not only was like poetry kind of getting time on the stage but it was then being utilized to like allow someone from a younger generation that that expresses through poetry the way that like you know me you well, most people we know do to be able to then get up there and talk to people that he, you know to, to to express who he truly was through poetry right and uh, especially as a young kid that's that's very difficult to do yeah. especially this i can't even imagine what that's like this day and age when you constantly have cameras on you yeah. in that sort of environment um but he killed it though like you know it, 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 i was like he was confident I, I hope you know he continues on writing and expressing himself because it was definitely like it was it was a it was a moment i'm not gonna forget like yeah uh, uh, ever 
I caught the recap of that too. I you didn't, I know you didn't post like everything, but I saw yeah. like pictures and clips and stuff. Look, it looked really fun. Was it weird? I mean, like you, you kind of touched base on this already, but like, was it weird trying to fit in with the other art forms in that sense? Like, and like musicians, right? Like musicians, they go to a venue and they have to like kind of fit their set list to the audience, to the venue. And they kind of have an idea of like what, what they're going to play beforehand. But yeah, then but sometimes I, there's like, you know, in the moment adjustments. Did you have to do any of that kind of stuff? I mean, with the rain and I'd imagine that yeah, it was, affected it, it somehow. It was, uh, no, there was definitely nothing weird about like, you know, like it made, everyone made like the poets fit or feel like right at home. Like it was kind of just like, that I that like creative energy, just like right. everyone, everyone just kind of being into the fact that everyone was there, expressing like, some kind of creativity and their truth, and you know, and and that's that lifts you up. Uh, I learned right away, like, because I don't do too many outdoor things, and so you know, one technique that like other poets have told me in the past is like, you know, you kind of want to stand out, so like I can project pretty well. So I thought it'd be cool, like when I get loud in this particular piece, to like step in front of the mic. But then you got to kind of commit once you do that, and then right. you, quick, you quickly learn that outside in a park full of like a hundred and plus people, that uh, you you need the mic. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lot and that, like, to do that. that little trick doesn't doesn't work in that kind of setting, and people are definitely kind of like, "Is the mic broken? What's like you know?" Um, <laughs> Why is he then, in front of it? And then it started, you know, raining and all that. But um, but they but they they actually took pity on me, and then they had extra time in the final hour, so they they had new people, and they had liked the two pieces I had I did in the first hour, so they actually asked me to kind of like encore them again. Um, nice. So I, it was almost like I got like this kind of like dry run, and then I was able to adjust to make it more intimate the second time around, where I kind of. Uh, the stage it makes you ner- it made me nervous because like the first time I've really been on a stage like that so yeah, I, actually, right. I actually like got off and kind of just like went into the grass with people and and performed it in more intimately and that felt right. uh, it felt way more special. That's more your style too. I know every time I've seen you perform, you're the first one to like put like no, I'm not going to use the mic. I'm going to stand in front. Or I'm not. I'm not going to stand on the stage. I'm going to stand in front of the stage, which makes it it changes the vibe in that kind sure. of environment. I can only imagine what it's like being outside in that same regard. It's kind of cool too. Like I can draw a parallel with like, like teaching here this is going to sound weird, but bear with me for a second. You know, yeah. when you're teaching the same subject multiple times in one day, you know, the first time you go to teach it, your lesson, it's, it's, it does things you thought were going to work. Don't always work. And by mm-hmm. the third time you're teaching it, fourth time you're teaching it, you kind of have, like you've you've tried a couple different things or you found your groove and you were able to like make an adjustment based on that like first little reflection period that you've done, you know? Totally. And to me totally. it sounds like that's kind of what you did for that second little encore set. No, yeah, you, you, you realize that you're you know you're kinda doing it the same, but you, you there's like it's like there's you know the nuances that you're doing differently that seem to work better. Yeah, you know, and you and, and and you hold different words a little longer. You you and you're like closer to people, and you kind of like you feel like you feel that you feel energy from people. So like, mm-hmm. and you you can you can more 
you can more clearly see their eyes. And so like, I, I like taking moments usually like with people um, when I can sense that they might be into it and I'm into it. And then you can kind of pause differently and you can kind of like more try to like be present in the performance. Um, right. And, and, and I felt that yeah, I definitely got that by, by the benefit of them <laughs> taking pity on me that I got rained out on the first go around <laughs> and they were like, you know, we feel terrible because we, people you know it was raining this is you know people were you know it's harder to hear that people are leaving because it's raining so it was cool that they were like gave me that opportunity um and then i was able to kind of like like really give it like make it special because then i'm also like oh there's probably people that have been here all day that are going to hear the same thing twice and you're kind of like yeah right i i want to try to make it as special as i can for the day for the moment uh, for my aunt, who the, the main piece that I did was about, because yeah, um, you know, it, 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 so much of it was me just kind of want to honor them, what the the role they they played in my life, um, and like, yeah, I mean, like just the the the, the importance of like uh, the power of love, you know. Yeah, it sounds corny well, cliche sometimes you say it, but like when you have when you have real examples of people that. Um, of it so I, yeah I just I got a, the second opportunity I was able to like do justice maybe what I thought I did in like the first go around um, right because uh, well, you know it, it connects it connects on a personal level but you're also I mean it sounds like you're trying to say that you you, you want to do it justice on your own personal level but also um, you know on that that larger scale right yeah. like the to 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 kind of paint that picture like love is love you know for yeah. everyone and, not just and, my family and it's like typically you know everything that i'm writing or performing is like only really centered around pretty much my own experience or like my experience like with my dad who is no longer here but it's still me kind of like performing for myself so um being there and that particular piece is centered around it's external it's it, it, it's it's for and to honor my aunts and so right. like knowing that they're physically there uh and they're like prominent in like the in the gay community in peak skill um uh, and how like much they they mean to me in my life um and also just when you're doing something like like when you just show up to like an open mic and you try things out um is it's it is different when you're 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 being invited to a place and it, regardless if it would be pride or whatever it is you know if you're right. you're, you're being invited to a place that has a specific you know I, i've prior to this like i've done charity events i've uh done mental health events so like you do have to like do your due diligence and your homework and make the set more about what it is that you're showing up for and trying right. to make it, but, but also trying to be still stick to like truthful to yourself and stuff like that. Um, but there's like a little bit of an extra weight because you want to, you, you, you want to do the opportunity justice and you want to like, you know, well, you don't want to seem like a fraud. Uh, and you want, you know, you, 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 uh, I, I don't know. I just take it very like personally, and I and also just 
in um, this event specifically, you know, I'm also going in there as like a straight male poet uh, being given space uh, uh, in an LGBTQ event where, you know, like that space could have easily gone to someone right. directly within the community. Um, right, right. But they felt it was like also, you know, that it meant something to include someone that had a perspective, like, like living with my aunts and like, and, and having like this, you know, giving, I guess, an allied perspective without, right. you know, but then even that, you know, I, I never want to, you know, you don't want to be preachy. You don't want to co-opt. No, of uh, course. Yeah. Stuff like that. So you, 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 you find like the balance where you can be authentic and, um, Plus, I usually get really pissed at stuff like that because, like, it's just so absurd to me that like people still exist that like that don't think. Yeah, I know. Like, that, you know, well, like that's my, a whole that, other. Like, you know, that, like my aunt, <laughs> that like my aunts don't deserve love and stuff like that. So it's like right. So that's actually where I, you know I pull that motivation. Then I get pissed off. And I do really well when I find ways to piss myself off before I perform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it fuels. Uh, it fuels the performance. Yeah. That's that, like, you know, you always hear of, like, I, you know, I listen to a lot of, like, uh, uh, comedians' podcasts, like Pete Holmes and uh, Joe yeah. Rogan and those guys, guys, and they always talk about, like, workshopping their stuff at, like, open mics before yeah. putting it into, like, a full, you know, uh, headliner tour kind of thing. Um, so it's it's a little uh, – number I'm impressed, number one, by you kind of jumping full force into this with all of those pressure points – you know, like, be, like, like you said, like being given that space to perform, even though you're not, you know, necessarily the, the face of that community, it, that's a lot of pressure, right? Like, cause obviously you want to respect those boundaries and you want to kind of use your voice for good, but you kind of have to like, be careful with how you're, how and what it is you're, you're performing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's like, that's pressure. And you want to do the right thing, right? But then factor in also, like, this is your first, you know, live, live performance and not like an open mic performance, but like a, you know, we hired you kind of performance. Not they hired you, but you know what I mean? Like, we sought you out kind of thing. That's that's pressure in itself. So then you have, like, those kind of two elements working from you side to side. How do you, as a performer, and I don't know if this has changed pre-COVID, post-COVID, but, like, how do you kind of mentally prepare yourself for that instead of just like, Oh, I'm going to workshop this thing. It's open mic and see if it works. Is there anything that you did specifically um, systematically uh, or like tips and tricks you could offer anyone who's kind of looking to break into that sure. realm? Um, I mean, obsessively practice, obsessively practice. Even sure. if you're, even if you're not, uh, even if you're not committing to memory, like, which is fine. Like, no, like plenty of people just read poetry, but even if you're, even if you're just reading, uh, from something, uh, like obsessive practice, it, it just like, you have to start to muscle memory, the words in a certain way. Um, because there's like, there's writing it and there's rewriting it. Uh, and then <laughs> just rewriting it, you know, and then, but then, but then like, if you're actually planning to perform it or speak it or read it, there's, there's the mechanics of that, 
um, and how you want to enunciate and where you need certain inflections. Um, but if you don't do that, like not necessarily that you have to go, it is, it is, uh, I mean, I agree with the comedian outlook. Like I do think that open mics are a really useful tool to try new things and figure it out because, um, if you're like me and you want it to be the best it can be, you actually don't like, like, like the piece chemical kiss that I've probably done the most, like hundreds of times, like, yeah, you know, and then it landed on my album and it sounds so different. And it, and, and like, I look at that and the trajectory of like, I might've performed that thing 200 times in, in front of people. And like, yeah, well, it was one of the first things you did too in I, that I realm. Did. Yeah. And I, and it's like, it didn't really even become finished until it landed on the album two years after the first time I did it. Like, you even realize wow. it. You're like, the first couple of times you do something, you're kind of still working it out. Then you start to massage the performance. But before you can massage the performance, you have to get the mechanics of the word and the delivery that you want to do down. And then once you're comfortable enough with that, you can actually start to, like, nuance the performance. And then, yeah. then once you can start to nuance the performance you're able to free yourself up to like, Oh, remembering, Oh, there's, there's people here in front of me and like finding ways to actually like interact with them in other ways, whether it's looking or, or just so much stuff that you can like, you sprinkle in before you realize, Oh, now this is the performance. Um, right. This, this is everything goes in the, but, but it all starts with like obsessive practice. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, and, and it's, it's, fucking boring like it is it's like you have to just push you just have to like push through and then but the thing is if you obsessively practice you start to get little wins so like that piece that i had to rewrite and then relearn you know the first couple of days it's frustrating because i'm not you know i'm getting like say it's like eight stanzas and i'm getting like a stanza and a half before i'm forgetting something it's frustrating right. but then like when you get two stanzas deep and then you fuck up in the third stanza, oh, it's like a little win. And then eventually you're getting through the whole thing. And then eventually you're getting through the whole thing and you're able to like flavor it up. And then you're, and then like all those little wins add up. And then you, then you're practicing it with actual like fervor and fire. Cause you're like, well, now I have it down. Now I'm fucking excited to perform. This. Yeah. Right. Like I can't wait till I get in front of people. And if I do it like this, you know, and again, right. If I feel excited, then I hope that then a handful of people will also feel what you like. They'll feel what you're feeling. Right. Um, that's also how I barometer whether or not like to just throw something away too. If you're if you obsessively practice something and it just never lights a fire in you, um, that's also like a sign. You know, even if you're like, mm. oh, I have this memorized, and I'm like, why does it still feel weird? Um, like that's kind of like my mode right now. And I also I'm a big proponent on quality over quantity which uh so like memorized pieces at the pinnacle of like when i was performing a lot pre-pandemic I, I i probably had like somewhere between like 10 and 15 i could choose from mm -hmm. uh, i wasn't always committed to like trying something new every single time uh, i just would try i just would hone in on the things that like lit a fire in me um and uh, I don't know if that's, yeah, I, I, you, it's hard to, like, you kind of just get that. Like, you just, it's like a gut reaction where you're like, yeah, this is, 
This is the yeah. This is, this is the one I want to do. Well, that's what I, I want to highlight that because a lot of people who who are kind of in this in this medium, I should say, you know, they they kind of forget about that second piece of like letting it go if it doesn't light you on fire. Because yeah. I, you know, so often the advice is always like, oh, if you if you feel good about it, you practice it enough, then like it's gonna be good. But a lot of times we ignore the 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 side of our brain that's like this is trash i'm gonna keep trying to make it better but like yep. sometimes sometimes you work so hard on something and like you know you're 30 40 drafts into this thing yep. you know a couple different rotations through of like doing it in front of a mirror or in front of your you know significant other or whatever and it still doesn't feel right yep. like let it go it's okay like yeah it sucks you wasted time working on it and stuff and who knows it might come back later down the road but right now it's just it's not working, you know, it, don't, it, don't throw it away, but like set it down, walk aside, dude, go it, work on another it, project. And that, well, and it, it might lead you to like other, like letting go of things. Like, Very hard. It frees you, but it also, it frees you up to like make room for when something does click, you know, like, right. Yeah. Uh, like, like, like the first novel manuscript I ever wrote. I mean, I'm never going to try to attempt to make that see the light of day. It's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. It's so bad. And But it took me like, it's easy for me to say that now. But the confronting of it being terrible was like, not easy. Like it was right. like, fuck man. Like I, I spent like, like years, like, think, like, oh yeah. I'm, I, and then you're like, you're like, you do, you redraft it. And then eventually you have to say to yourself, like, this isn't it, man. Like, yeah, this this is because a lot of first attempts at anything are not it. There are people that are, can pull that off. Like, uh, I'm not one of them. Um, I'm, I, I need I, I, I need to, like, find the things, you know, like for every poem that becomes a performance piece, there's like 10 that like never get finished, get yeah, finished. Didn't make the cut, uh, you know, but, and then like. Now, like, I'm honed in on, like, my novella that, like, has found a home and is going to come out uh, that, like, when I read the novel and then I read this, I'm like, oh, like, I had to do that first to be, like, put dip my feet in the water and see if I can even try to take such a monumental undertaking, you know, and write something fictional that doesn't suck. Uh, and then, oh, oh, well, it sucked. And then... But I feel like it's like, um, I feel like I oh like I had to get that out of the way, so that I could write the thing that I don't, but the thing that I now think doesn't suck, <laughs> like right, uh, uh, you know, like it's like anything, right? Like, like I look at the first that manuscript is like me riding a bike with training wheels on, and then the the new one is like they're off. Um, right, right. You kind of you kind of need to do that one first before you can get. To the other one, or I feel like a lot of people, like, again, there are savants that, like, people that are just super tuned in and can nail something, like, and every idea they have is magic. Uh, but I feel like when you, uh, most people in most creative fields, stuff like that, there's more what you never see here than what you do see and hear from them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of it, they do have to, like, be like, this isn't it, you know? Like how often right. do we, you know when like a, when a band's big and then they're like, 
put out the B-side album. And then you're like, this is really bad. Good thing they didn't put these on, on, on any of the albums. Like, they're yeah, kind of right. cool because, like, I love this band, but, like, I kind of, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's like, I mean, you were saying it before. It's like, you have to, you have to practice a piece, especially when you're performing. You know, I'm sure many musicians can, can talk this up, but, like, you have to, like, practice to the point where it's almost, it's almost boring, right? Because yeah. once it's, once it becomes boring, then that's when you can start to workshop it. You know, like if, if you're a band who, you know, you have the one song that everyone wants to hear and you play it in your encore, every single set, it's like by the, you know, third, fourth year you've been touring and you're playing that song in your encore yet again on another Friday night at another venue. Like that's when you can start having some fun with it. That's when you can start yeah. like substituting words. It's like, Oh, it's Johnny's birthday. So we're going to like say Johnny's name in it in this one verse instead of, you know, how the lyrics actually go. Then you start like doing those things live off the cusp. Um, that, that also transfers into what you're saying about the writing piece, right? Like, even though it's not like a live performance thing, the more you practice that skill, the easier it becomes. And the only way to really understand that is to like get the shitty stuff out of the way. You have, you have to like let go of the, of the garbage in order to kind of like achieve your best work. And I think that's the part that a lot of people get hung up on is because that, that, that part is, that's painful. It's painful to let go of something that you've spent like blood, sweat and tears on that you were trying to make it work. And it like, just, it's not working. But what happens is when you when you do learn how to let that go and move to the next thing, that next thing becomes tenfold bigger than what you could even imagine it to be. I mean, um, it's, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a relationship that you have, right? With exactly. Your work, you know, like, and you know, I mean, obviously, it's not like a human human relationship, but like any relationship, you know, it's not always easy to admit the red flags and call it quits, right? Like you, you, right. you, you, even human beings, like we'll drag things beyond the point that they should be. But then typically, like when we start to learn, in, even in that realm, like how to recognize what's healthy for us or good for us in relationships, we start to actually like improve, right? Like, and like same thing, yeah, same thing with creative work. Like it, it, it sucks uh, giving things up that you, loved and spent time on that just didn't work you know um, yeah i mean yeah. it's the, what the it's like the famous thing uh, kill your darlings right like i mean that's pretty much mm-hmm. you know me and my uh my friend roms we used to call running the tap i, I might have mentioned that, that even on the last episode like that's like it was always like you know some stuff is just clearing the drain you know to make of the muck to like find what actually works for yeah. you, your voice, your sound, depend, you know, regardless of what creative outlet. Yep. I know, like, for me, I know my, I have to, when I'm doing poetry, if I'm doing any kind of, like, if I'm working on a poetry book or whatever, I have to do, like, brain dumps. And mm-hmm. I, my poetry, when it is published, when it does take its final form, it, that's never how it first looked. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, course, it's yeah. the culmination of like several brain dumps onto the page where I kind of like chopped and screwed everything around multiple entries into one poem and then finally like presented itself like, okay, this works. Like I can, I could, I'm comfortable showing this to other people, you know? Sure. No, yeah, um, that's, and that's, I, 
that's all that's all create i was just gonna say that's all creative outlets i'm, I'm using poetry as an example because that's how i do it but i mean that goes for anything I, I would even argue that that goes for physical things like like oh, yeah. sports i mean it's it's more of a it's more of a mindset or a mind frame than anything else yeah no, i think there's like this weird thing with like writing Maybe I see. Maybe I see some in other creatives too, where like we, you think that like we get caught up in like that, like everything we do is perfect in its first form. And honestly, um, and sometimes I feel like poetry tr- is a, it tricks us into thinking that because we're like, oh, well, it's technically shorter and yeah, freestyle. And, so <laughs> and so you kind of feel like, uh, you know, it's like I'm, I'm probably it's probably good enough. And I used to be like that, uh, and then the first time I had to deal with like an actual editor was like eye opening, you know, to be like, yeah, like everything can use work. Everything can use a second eye. Everything can use a, a breath, uh, you know, before you like go at it again. Um, and, and I'm really a big proponent of that. You know, I think that ties into the quality over quantity thing too. Is like, it's better to, you know, it's better to have one stellar poem that everyone remembers you by than like, stuff that you're gonna that's gonna make you sick to your stomach two years from now because you just rush through everything and you right. know um like literally just recently like you've had tony on like i, I do his little i teach his like workshops with the poetic soup and like you know i've done a revision one twice with people specifically trying to hammer in on like uh, uh the importance of of finding tactics and ways that like you can improve you can heighten your voice you right. know like you say you do brain dumps you know like i'm a big like environment person like so like i'll change the space that i'm in before i mm. rewrite something like and like not everything works for everybody but you can but like if you can find the things that really like work for you uh to make something better or or to I, make, make better is like it's really more like I'm always exploring, like, identifying my voice and, like, what can I now do with a particular creative thing to make that, like, to heighten my voice yeah, to the best of its ability. Um, yeah, right, right. And the only way you fi- do that finding is, like, your is voice. Trying, is trying to... I was just going to say, I mean, like, finding your voice is one thing, but then, like, you were, it sounds like where you were going with that is, like, tr- trying new things once you found your voice is a totally different practice. It's a totally different yeah. venue. Because then you then you know yourself to a point where, like, okay, I, this might work if it wasn't me, but I can't do this because I, I know it wouldn't yeah, work yeah. for, like, my persona, my identity, you know? But, and, but you know, like, and the, more, the more you try, some things won't work. But then sometimes you can you can like adapt. I feel like, you know, where you realize that like, like, like I try to be open. So like, I know I'm going to change over time. So chances are if I'm changing in like mind, body, spirit over time, then my creative voice uh, has to be malleable enough to change like with me. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise then the other thing happens where if you try to, imprison yourself to the type of writer or creative you think you should be um can make things very stale too you know mm-hmm. i look at i look at it like um like when, you know you know like uh a band i really love is uh king gizzard and the lizard wizard 
and they <laughs> they, they have like so good. 25 albums or whatever it is right and like they never lose who they are um but like no album sounds the same if that makes sense like so mm-hmm. like it's like this is king gizzard doing thrash metal this is king gizzard trying to do like uh like 60s beatles type stuff you know this, <laughs> is, this is in like uh but it's always like them it's like their version of that uh and over time they evolve because their tastes change they like an assortment of other things and they let all those influences in and so like right. that's the balance i always try to look for is like not losing me like for example like you know, the pride event um whenever someone expects me to do like a more positive or happy poem it's like i think i have a handful but they're like my version of that right they still might be depressing as fuck to someone that's happier than me but like like they're my (laughs) like they're my version of like what a happy poem is or what a poem about love is so they never make me feel fraudulent to myself um and, and but they fit a certain you know uh a certain part of who I am. So then, but I like for like I tried to write new stuff for that event on Saturday. It was all terrible because I was trying yeah. to force myself to write it for something specific, and was instead like, no, go back, reanalyze things you've already written, and something doesn't have to be exactly direct. You know, I did my give. I give. I just give me love. Like it's a subtle bodies piece. Yeah. You know, and so that's it. You know. It's, it's fit because it's an authentic, organic piece about the idea of love, the strength of love, you know. It, um, and the one I was trying to specifically write for the event, I, I'm, I'm never going to finish that beat. It was, it's terrible. <laughs> that's a, again, this is where, like, my brain dumps come in, right? Like, some things I'll scribble out, and I'm like, this is trash. But then, like, I'll open that notebook a year and a half later, and all of a sudden I'm using that line in a poem that I'm working on. You know what I mean? Or sure, or story sure. I'm working on or whatever. He's like, you don't know when those things, those little nuggets are going to come back. Sometimes they need a lot more workshopping, right? Like sometimes yeah. there's like a diamond in the rough. And you got to like, you know, brush it off. And other times you don't have to do anything with it. It just, it fits so naturally. You know, and I think that's the importance. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but like changing your environment. I would also argue that uh, it's also important to change your, your medium, right? So uh, for me personally, like, I try to practice several different forms of physical writing, like yep. pen and pen and paper with hand. Uh, you know, if I'm in the coffee shop, I'll, I'll peck away on my phone. Sometimes I'll bring my laptop and I'll write that way. Sometimes yep. I have, I'll bring my little like Bluetooth keyboard and I'll, I'll sync it up to my phone. So it's like a mesh of the two. Other times I'm scribbling in a notebook without any lines. So it's meant for like sketches, you know, I, I think the act of kind of keeping your, your your mind sharp like that helps bleed through to the content um and i'm just using writing as an example for me but i i imagine that same kind of premise works along many different artistic endeavors um a lot of musicians right like musicians you you talk to most of them don't play just one instrument they're really good at one instrument but they also like guitarists also play bass or in keyboard right and like drummers okay like I, i'm really good at drumming but like i also you know play a trumpet or something like that yeah, no, like no, so often it's like they're really good at one thing 
Yeah. Right. And I'm speaking like artists or, or performers or athletes. I'm really kind of trying to be vague with this, but you hone in so much on that one thing, but that doesn't isolate you into that one thing. And you can start using those other things to kind of like improve the one thing you are good at, but it all comes back to what you were saying before about having that growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. Like you don't want to limit yourself and box yourself and say, I'm the, I'm the best spoken word poet and I don't have to change. It's like, no man, because eventually the environment's going to change without you. Right. So you got to figure something out. Um, Like, like, like my, um, like Denny, the guitarist for subtle bodies. I mean, when I go to to his, his home studio, I mean, like his other band, he's the lead guitarist, and like that's like he's played guitar since he was like 13 years old. But he can, like, when you like the things we make, he's playing every instrument. In he's playing the drums, he's playing the bass, he's playing the bowls, he's playing uh, the piano. Uh, he did all uh, that himself. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this he, up. Okay, I wanted, I definitely wanted so to talk like, about he, this. He's playing like, you know, and then, uh, and, and like, cause he's just so musically gifted and musically minded. Like, yes, the lead guitar is like his, it's his baby. It's like, it's how he speaks, uh, right. like to the world, you know? Um, but I watch him play every other fucking thing. Like when we're jamming and thinking of ideas and stuff and like seeing how the same way he keeps himself free and open. I mean, he's a guy that can jump from a death metal band to like the thing we do uh and they're both equally like who he is and it's like you can you can you can hear in his like death metal songs his distinct sound with the guitar and how he adapts it to like that need and that like part of who he is and then yeah he still has an identifiable thing that's like oh that's denny uh, when he does what we do at Subtle Bodies, which is him being able to explore like this other part of who he is as a person and what he can sort of like the freedom of kind of trying these trippier things and these longer solos and just like this other part of who he is. And like that's what I met kind of before with the King Gizzard. It's like it, it like it sounds always you're like, all right, that's him, but it's him doing this and him doing that. And it's like, Again, always authentic, and um, and he keeps himself like fresh, and the muscles like nice and, and, and flexible by being able to hop from like one instrument to the other. You know, sometimes when we get yeah. in there and like he's playing the piano first, and he's kind of like letting that dictate the mood before he picks up his guitar, or he's setting the drums first before like uh, uh, anything else comes and. And as again, it's like a thing that like, I don't know if he'd be able to really even exp- like the why for that kind of things, like it's all really gut instinct. Like, um, like even with you, like you're saying like, why do sometimes you use the laptop? Why do sometimes you feel like you need the pen and paper? Why do, and, but it's like a gut thing. It's like, I, it's like something's telling you, like, I want to explore it this way. And right. it makes it like wholly, wholly unique. Um, because you're exploring it in that particular way. Right. And it's, you're, you're using elements of your own talent to like uh, spread and paint thin on like other canvases that you wouldn't normally touch. And I think that's the important part is like realizing that we all have that ability. 
whether you're creative or not, right? Right. I mean, like the big thing that with yeah. with when I'm coaching my ice hockey players, right? I coach the the high school team. Um, a big thing I always say in the off season is like pick up a lacrosse stick, right? I mean that, yeah, yeah. you're not wearing ice skates and stuff, but the the movements that you're doing with your body are so similar. The talent, yep. the talent that you're using in hockey with the lacrosse stick is so similar, right? And that, I mean, that's just one example. But if you think, if you try to think that way across whatever medium it is, whether it's a, a sport, um, painting, music writing, whatever it is, if you try to see how you can kind of like branch away from your, your one thing, it, it, to bring this full circle, it comes back to that one thing. So when you do sit down to do your main thing again, you're going to be not only refreshed and reset, but you're going to have a sharper mind to do that thing better. Let me ask you, since you brought it up with the subtle bodies, um, are you guys going to try to do anything? This is probably going to be tough because it's only the two of you guys, but are you guys going to do anything like live with that? Have you tried to do anything live with that? I mean, we did like one thing on like, uh, like IG live once, you know, where we ran, where we ran like everything but the lead guitar through like a board and then, mm. um, and then, and had him do lead uh, and me do my thing. And, but yeah, I mean, the goal is for us to sort of figure out a way that we could, we can do that kind of um, thing where we, you know, where, where we'll be able to like, you know, pretty much until we can figure out either like having people that can step in to play with us, it'll probably be like, you know, anything but the lead guitar playing through like his, his, his pedal board. And then, and then us trying to do our thing, which I know is like less, um, not as effective as you want it to be. Uh, but, yeah. But you see that all the time with bands, right? Like if it's a one person band, they're not performing by themselves. They have like yeah. a, you know, tour drummer or whatever. Sure. I could or see like, the same know, thing I, happening. I, I've also, yeah, I've also seen plenty of awesome, like loop pedal artists, you know, like, I mean, then he has yeah. a loop pedal. So like, you know, that's like another thing potentially like, you know, really, to, you know, building a song through the loop pedal and then, uh and then eventually like, so we're, we're like exploring different ways but like we're we're, we're like kind of figuring that out. i mean yeah but the dream is to like eventually start to really like do some live stuff have opportunities to do some live shows like show people kind of like what our thing is and we're also like we spent a lot of this pandemic moving away from like the apocalyptic arts thing so like yeah uh, the stuff we're working on now is like really different than that. Um, right. And we're well, that's why, like, I mean, that's why I wanted to bring it up is because it's, again, it's not like, it's not like your main thing, but you're using your talent. Like we were just saying, like you're using your talents from the main things that you guys do and yeah. you're bringing it to that. And it's not only is it phenomenal and excellent, but you can tell that the, the emotion and the, the passion in the project itself yeah, is inspiring yeah. alone. I think we just really, we clicked, um, we clicked like from the beginning and, uh, cause uh, Apocalyptic Hearts was like a one studio session at his house. Uh, no way. You know, really? <laughs> like he kind of had like the, the main Jeez. thing already kind of done. And then I had three poems written and then I wrote the fourth one there while we, while he was jamming. And then we just went in and I recorded it. So like what you hear is my first like recordings of it where like wow. I, didn't go, I didn't go we didn't go back and try to perfect anything and 
that changes kinda, that for me. <laughs> and we kind of just like threw it out. And then like now we've really analyzed like how we could have really like took maybe some more time and, and really like honed things. You know, we were just kind of excited and it clicked and it worked. But then right. this this most of this year, I spent one day a week at Denny's studio. Uh, we're, we're, we're making a full length album. We're probably like halfway done. And I was going to ask. Okay. It's like the same, but different. It's, it's like, I think we just both agreed that like, if it stops being fun, then we don't want to do it anymore. And then the, our only rules are basically like to follow our gut and mm. uh, not like be afraid if it's weird or a little harder to digest or um, that like, it's a, Subtle bodies is us being able to like have complete creative freedom with each other, you know. Yeah. Like if, he, if he wants to rip like a three minute solo, and I don't give a fuck. Like hell yeah, man. Like if that's what you're <laughs> feeling, if that's what you're feeling right now, and then yeah. vice versa. If I come to him with like words that came to me, and um, you know, we kind of stay out of each other's way. Uh, but then when all the elements are there, we're very much like collaboratively on top of each other and sort of like, ooh, like, try this, try that, maybe fill this in here. And then you start to be like, are we making songs now? And you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> like, you know, like, maybe, <laughs> like, I'm not a singer, um, but he's been taking singing lessons. So he's been kind of like harmonizing and I'm more doing like the spoken word thing still. But again, there's like, we're going with like gut instinct. So like, uh, it, 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 everything sound everything we do sounds like the same but different you know like right. we've been recently making like harder stuff you know where he's been trying to he's been taking a little bit more influence from his metal side and kind of like seeing like well what would this be like with your words like if we really went heavier uh, and then right. it, like it makes me want to like perform differently but now I'm still not losing my like you know the words are me but then his energy and the aggressiveness he's bringing with the guitar makes me want to just make those perform those words in a, a way that complements him, you know, yeah. or then like, I'll bring something more contemplative word wise or poetry wise. And then he can sit down and at the piano or like, uh, kind of do something that's more meditative, but it's the same time. You're like, Oh, that's still like a Denny official solo. And those are still like, very much in the syllable patterns of like a TJ McGowan spoken word piece, but <laughs> us just being allowed to be like, bring how we're feeling and then complimenting each other. And so there's never like, we don't disagree. We don't, because, because if you're not, um, if you're only putting the high bar on that, like if you're making sure that you're doing what feels right, uh, as opposed to like trying to fit something into like some particular compartment or box, right? Um, you know, there's no one else over us being like, you might want to sound more like this, It'll yeah, be more right? Digestible, or like, and you know, and we're kind of just like, it sounds funky and weird and cool to us, right? So, uh, let's let's make this funky, weird, cool thing. The right. best we think it can be, um, and and then we really don't like step on each other's toes because then you're not you're there's like because it's like we do have these other things we do, uh, and it's weird saying like a side thing because like I'm you know we're both very much invested in subtle bodies 
Um, right. Probably as much as we are invested in the other things we do. Uh, and I, it's just trying yeah, new ways to push our creative self. Like it gets both of us out of our comfort zones. Yeah. You know, get out of the shell a little bit. Like, you know, I, I don't sing. So like, I, I can only imagine the pressure sometimes when he's laying down some more harmonizing type things for us. Yeah. And he's in the process of so learn learning how to sing. And I mean, he's gotten from when he first was doing lessons like a year and a half ago to now, I mean, it's like night and day, but like, it's easy for me to t- say that, but it's still him getting outside of a comfort, like, you know, the guitar is the comfort zone for him. So right. like, doing that, like getting outside of his comfort zone. Um, and then for me, you know, like I said, he's pushing me to like, not sing, but like pushing me, he's leveling me up in ways where like I'm just delivering in ways I would have never thought to if not for him bringing what he brings. Presenting it, and, right, right. And it makes me uncomfortable at times. Uh, <laughs> That's a good first, thing, though. You know, when you're like just screaming in someone's home studio to like <laughs> try to find the right way to do something and, you know, like 50 takes are embarrassing or they're like they're just they're 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 not working or they feel yeah they don't feel like you and uh but then yeah you realize that that's like super healthy and great part of growing <laughs> yeah right i mean um, that, not even that's just creatively as people. as a human right that's come up on the podcast so often is like the the ability to be comfortable with the uncomfortable like being uncomfortable but recognizing like it's a necessary step as part of that growth whether or not it's related to your profession your hobby or just your own personal growth as a human being it's that that, i mean that alone like once you once you recognize that and you adapt that into your into your daily life i mean it it changes the way you just go about things i mean even even stupid things like chores and stuff you know and you're like find yourself being proud of the things you're doing yeah, and like you know, you're kind of like, you, like you know, like like, like a prime example. The first time, and the other thing too is like when you have when you're doing something collaborative like that. He, like he's such a fucking stellar guitar player that like <laughs> sometimes he gives me things and sends me things, and I'm like, are you sure you want me to like use poetry on this dude? Like, are you <laughs> you don't want to use it for your band. <laughs> And, like, you know, it's such a compliment to have, like, him being like, no, dude, like, this, this, like, um, this is for subtle bodies. Like, 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 and you're like, wow, like, this guy right. thinks so highly. And then you realize you just feel, because we, we were strangers, you know? Like, right. like, less, a year and a half ago, we were complete strangers. That we just happened to be in the same room at the same time, uh, jamming away. And you so, guys, like, like, I, you guys definitely have the chemistry, the vibe, the, whatever you want to call it. I, I can, I mean, you can hear that in the album itself, in the work, in your work. Like, you can just hear the chemistry you guys have together. And I want to dig in a little bit because you, you brought sure. this up a few times, but you, you said you, you kind of go by your gut if, if something is working or not. And yeah, that's harder when you have multiple guts, right? And you have working with a sure. band as opposed to solo. So what kind of, I guess where I'm going with this, Number one, I think we're going to have to get an episode with both of you guys on the Betterism oh, show yeah, here. Totally, totally. <laughs> but number two, I was really going with this, is how and what determines the criteria for 
that gut instinct? Like, is there any kind of like telltale signs where you're like, this is just not working? Or, um, I mean, can you describe that at all? Or is it just something like you just, you guys just both yeah, feel? No, yeah, I think it's, um, it, like, it was harder at first because you're, it's less about recognizing what doesn't feel right to you. It's more about navigating how to properly communicate with each other. So there's no, like, offending. Like, this is a creative partnership, right? So, like, everything that you bring to the table is meant to, like, heighten that partnership, including being honest when something doesn't work, you know? And I, and I feel a lot of, like, creative partnerships, they be, they're, they're very ego-driven. So then it's... Yeah. There's a lot of offense taken when someone doesn't like something. Uh, I've not noticed in, you know, the hundreds of times we've been in the studio so far, like any ego from either of us, because we're both understanding that we're trying something, we're taking the talents we've already had and we're trying something completely new and that we try to lean on each other um, with the things that are new to us. So like he completely trusts me when it comes to like any lyrical content he brings, um, well, he'll, he'll like, if he feels something's not off, like he, he'll trust me to like, look at it and like see if we can massage it or like, you know, but I won't step too far to the point where I'm like, I don't know how to sing. So like when you get into the singing part, like I can't, you know, um, there's not much I could probably help you, you know, there. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I would also then never step on his toes to the point of like telling him how to like play the guitar. You know, right. uh, like I might say, you know, it might be more like a mood thing. Uh, you know, like maybe what's being played here isn't setting the right mood for this particular thing. And you kind of move on. Um, but now we kind of have like a pretty straightforward, like, you know, where we ask each other, like at different points of the stage of creating a track, like, is this still working? And we're honest, like, is it still working? And then some things you realize, like, Oh, it's just this part that's not working. Let's try this. You know, uh, mm. the first track that we're probably going to release next month, you know, if I played the first version, I mean, it sounds nothing like it was. Just, it almost got completely thrown away. You know, yeah. uh, it was something not working with like the drum track. And every time we it was being changed, it was throwing off the lyrics that were already kind of laid down. And then, um, it almost got completely thrown in the trash. And then he was like, you know, let me try one more thing. Uh, and then he kind of reinvented the wheel of the song or the poem or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and like what it is now isn't even uh, like, it, it's not even anywhere close to the first thing it was. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to drop was, a B set. And then yeah, and then we have, and then we have other we have another track, you know that like we spent endless amounts of time trying to make work. That was one of the first ones we started like deep in the pandemic. That is still yeah. to this day one we bring up and we try, and then it changes a little, and then we put it away, and we it's find ourselves we find ourselves when we're in there less and less like we find ourselves less and less like when we're like what do you want to work on today like that one gets brought up 
less and less and sometimes it's not even mentioned in one of the sessions and then we started that's interesting like, and, and we're kind of like dude i don't know if this works <laughs> and, then, and then you realize right. like i was having and then when you're like once someone breaks that the levy then the other person's like i was thinking the same thing but i just didn't know if i should have said it out loud or like <laughs> right, then you right. realize like oh oh like okay we should trust our guts together more often because we're probably going home not wanting to offend each other and both thinking like that one's just not we're, we're spending a lot of time and energy on something that either it's just, not it's just, there's just nothing happening together it's not, it's not uh standing out it do you guys ever do you guys ever use like a, a third ear like another person or is it always just the two of you guys kind of making those decisions? oh no 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 yeah we um i have like a few a handful of people i'll send stuff to that i like uh i did the same thing with like my album was like i need i need people outside of me yeah that i trusted that would also tell me like like i knew when they told me this is this is it then i knew like yeah they really mean it because i also knew that they would tell me no this is not it you know so right. you need that and i know denny has that kind of too which is great that it's not like we're not sending it to the same people either because right. he has a plethora of talented musician friends and other guitarists and stuff that and other like mixers and producers and that he he sends stuff to at a certain point and you know and they're very honest with him like you know check this raise this do this try this sure uh but those like yeah even you you kind of have to figure out who those people are they're super beneficial and if you are a creative person um because you don't want you don't like you don't just want yes men type of uh, right situation. no exactly yeah um so yeah Real it's like shit. a mixture of all that you know truth and it's like and then it's also like making sure that we the other hard thing is like saying something's done <laughs> yeah that's that that's the uh it's, it's way easier with poetry when it's just me and there's nothing else happening around me uh but when you're dealing with like you know essentially what a band has and all these different ways and options you can go about something sounding that's like one thing that i'm learning for sure as being someone that's never been in this kind of element is is like when is this done like when is when is this done so we could finish the other one? You know, because then you don't want to just have like eight tracks that are 60% done or like, right. or you're just constantly saying it's not done yet. It's not done yet, you know, right. uh, committing. But I think doing Apocalyptic Hearts the way we did, I always try to keep that in mind. Where we straight up were like met up one day, recorded, mixed it to the best of our ability, and then just fucking threw it out there. Yeah. And even though we can hear every mis mistake glaringly loud to us, you know, I always try to be, keep in mind, like, well, people liked it, um, you know. So right. even with the mistakes that we noticed, maybe other people didn't notice them. So you kind of try to keep that in mind that you have to be a little free to the idea of, like, deciding when something's done. Yeah. Um, and that's not, like, that is not easy. I mean, there are things that even, like, I've already published and they're already out in the world and I'm still like, oh, I, could, I could go back and fix this thing. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> but it's like at a certain point you got to like put it down so you can start working on the other thing that's eating you. Right. The other yep. idea, the other project that's like, you know, nagging at you from, from the back burner time to start this guy. It's yep. tough. Cause like, I don't, I don't, every artist I've ever spoken to, like everyone says the same thing, whether it's for the podcast or, or offline, but like, 
you don't really know if you're done. <laughs> you know, it's like at a certain point, you're just like, this is as close as I think it's going to get. And yeah, uh, yeah, people aren't going to notice. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that like Apocalypse Hearts has a, it has, it has a vibe to it, right? Like that, ha- you can tell that you guys riff that. Like, I, I didn't know that it was in one sitting, but I could tell that it was, it was quicker than some of your, your later work. You know what I mean? And not to sure. say that in a negative way. I think that's no, more no. of like a, that's, that's with the feel of it. Right. Whereas yeah. like some of the other stuff you put out, it's like, oh, I can tell that you've, you recorded that track six times before you got the seventh one down, you know? Oh yeah. Sure. 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 And I think that's part of, that's part of, uh, artistic growth first and foremost, but it's also part of like style, right? Like, do you want it to sound that way or do you not? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you got to plan for that kind of thing, you know? Oh no, hundred percent. So. You know, it's like it's like it, it, it's uh, even with like me trying to explore more like with vocally, right? Like it's fucking terrifying. And then then I realized that I listened to like so many bands I love, and you're like, well, in the grand scheme of things, like that dude can't sing for shit. Like it's a <laughs> it's a vibe. He has there's a sound. Yeah. There's a there's a mood. There's like there's so much of that like. You so I think that's what we were really finding right now, like trying to yeah. tackle a full album, uh, is like we're fine. Like Apocalyptic Hearts was a great like leap off the diving board, um, and now we've like really tapped into like uh, trying to more define like the mood, the vibe of Subtle Bodies, and that right. we try to be we're trying to be like malleable to like feed the feeling and not necessarily be like this has to sound this way um but then there's sometimes he mixes stuff down and then sends it to me and i'm like like i'm like oh, i think i'm almost like tricking people into thinking i can sing <laughs> <laughs> and, and you realize it's because we're just finding a groove where like what he's bringing musically and pushing me to do vocally uh is becoming a sound and it's yeah. not necessarily because I know how to fucking sing or rap or any of that. It's just like we're finding the balance of like where the thing I do and the thing he does sounds pretty right. good together. Like, right, um, right. and then, you know, it's up to people to do, to decide like, uh, dude, you know, this is, what. I mean, this is why I'm such a huge fan of you guys. You guys are pushing like genre boundaries in a time where, that isn't happening anymore. <laughs> you know, like that used, I, I'm reading a book right now about ska and how like ska kind of formed in the late seventies and kind of transitioned all the way up until like the eighties and the nineties. And then you got bands like, you know, like rancid and stuff that were kind of born out of, you know, like operation Ivy and operation Ivy was kind of born out of like two tone ska without the suits and horns and stuff. And then all of a sudden it died in the two thousands, you know? And yeah. You know, that, that whole genre was born out of pushing boundaries, right? And it got huge. And right now, you don't really have many mainstream artists, many um, um, artists out there that are doing that. They're all trying to follow the formula. And sure. not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not trying to hate on it or anything, but yeah. it, can get a, it can get a little boring. And I, in all honesty, like the, the reason I consider myself a fan of of you guys and your work is because you're doing that. And as an artist, I respect that. I think it's, um, I think it's inspiring, man. And I, and I think that's like, 
I think the fact that like we 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 come from other things that we focus on too is you actually like literally care less when you're in the studio not care less about the quality of something you care less about like what anyone's gonna think about it like me, yeah. me, me, me and him have literally no concern other than what we think about it and that actually makes you like almost sometimes unintentionally like genre bend because you're mm. just like literally like, and you, it's not like we sit down there and you're like how are we going to bend the like it's literally like Danny being like yo do you think this sounds fucking cool and I'm like yeah and then, <laughs> you know and then it's like right all right what you want to write something to that or like hey man I, I wrote this I did, with nothing in mind do you think you got something you could do to this and then him being like ooh, like I really like what you're saying right there and then coming with his own feeling and like it's very like not profound not intentional and because of that it becomes kind of like it like a genre bends without like the intention of it uh like i love um listener i don't, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to listener but they are a band that like i mean probably like 15 years ago a friend introduced me to them and uh the lead singer he's basically just a spoken word artist and they're kind of like a punk band uh and and sometimes he sings sometimes he doesn't he does like a really weird drawl that kind of works sometimes they seem more like musically buttoned up and sometimes they're kind of doing whatever the fuck they want uh and so like we do sometimes try to like listen to things like that like to sort of like not mimic but like honestly to to master to uh because I'm learning mm. all the science of like mixing and mastering while watching him is, you know, you kind of want to, when you're mastering and you have a sound, you do sort of want to explore things that are kind of similar to you in, in, in some way that you can like, at least get like levels and things like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, to learn like, from you know. for sure. Um, But like, yeah, I think, I think because we have other stuff going on, like I have, I have my album and I perform on my own and he has the, his metal band sick life. And then he has a solo project that he does on his own called emerge. Uh, when we come together, it's called, it's sort of like, like it is always just fun. So then you're like, Hey, if we're having fun, like, and we're our biggest fans. And that's all that's all I like. I really care about. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately I, the end of the, at the end of the game that's 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 the whole game right like that's the entire purpose you're in it <laughs> i mean i don't want to show up to someone's studio or you know I, you, you, there's a lot of time and energy that like we put into it and yeah. so i mean like i tell you i've been to his, i've literally been to his like home studio one day a week since like last april or something like that uh Jeez. so and you're like but it's still fun yeah so, right like, and you gotta hold on to that like, man i mean that's if that stuff starts to feel like work to me i'm just gonna be like dude i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, man. Like, well dude that was feel like mm. that was that was old dirty bastards downfall right like when wu-tang started he you know he was in it because he was having fun and stuff and you know you had like rizza and jizza like they were the masterminds of course but like he was coming laying down tracks coming to the studio all the time because he was having fun hanging out with his friends, you know, doing his old, his old dirty bastard, crazy spiel, whatever. But then like, 
he kind of fell off the wagon when things became too business oriented. Right. And it was less about like showing up and having fun. It was more about like, well, this isn't going to sell records. And that's kind of when he started to go out the crazy end. And I, you know, that's one of those things. It's like, of course, if you're trying to make it in any business, you have to play the business game side of it at, to some extent, but you got to also remember not everyone's in it for that. Not everyone's trying to play a business. Some people are just making art to make art. Like not yeah. for the algorithms, you know. Like you know, of course, like we sit there and like we want fucking people to be into what we're doing. Like we want to be able to like perform for people and have them like like it. Uh, you know, there's that validation. You know, right? It'd of be, course, it'd be cool. And like obviously, you're like if any art, you're like if it went beyond that and generated you money, you know. But like at the core of it, it's like the creative part of it. Even with the the poetry, I do like. I mean, if that stuff's not like fun, if that like stops becoming fun. I wouldn't want to do it. It's like right. a lot of time, energy, and resource. Um, and so I found, I found that like the more I just lean into that, whether it's that or my own personal thing, the less conventional it is, I understand full, fully well that like that means it won't have a bigger audience. But yeah. the people that are into it, uh are like really into, into it because they usually recognize that you're just trying to like be honest or something even yeah. like my personal album like i had i knew full well that like a guy doing eight tracks of spoken word about his dead dad is like is mm-hmm. like a is a very niche thing uh, yeah you know um but, but it's I so I it's so good it. because it's so authentic and that's that's the piece right like that it's the re the thing that even though it's niche and it's like not everyone's cup of tea like it's fucking amazing because of how much authentic passion went into it and a true artist is even if they're not into the project itself they're going to respect that for the project and the passion that's so, surrounding it oh yeah like i i've had i've had plenty of people listen to it that are like they, they get that side of it even if they can't fully penetrate it um and then like i've gotten some like deeply deeply touching and personal message a handful of messages from people i don't even know that like yeah. that like listen to it and then reached out to me and like either could relate in some level of like the loss of a parent or dealing with a parent that alcohol I was an alcoholic or just like right um and those like i mean are they make you they they make you feel wealthy in like a completely different way than like if yeah like a hundred people were like good job or like that's that's catchy that's the shit that money can't buy man (laughs) that's the stuff Um, that is worth so much more than money uh but so yeah, whether it's me doing that or like me and Denny with subtle, like I think that for me, uh, it, 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 and I think it's probably because of like a, a more like a, it's like I'm not a middle age, not a middle age crisis type of thing, but I think there's like something to me being a late bloomer into really giving into like who I am as a creative person that's been brewing internally. Mm-hmm. Um, at this part of my life, that frees me up a bit 
to not give as much of a fuck about what people think about it because of just who I am, where I am in my life. But then I see in like younger performers I know and stuff, the anxiety of it, the anxiety of wanting to make it big and like, which is like, I wouldn't, I don't knock anyone's dreams. Like, you know, creative people, you know, like a lot of artists want to be artists because they do. They want to make a living off being an artist because they love doing it. Right. Um, but like, there's like a certain anxiety I would have never been able to handle if I was younger and tapped into who this part of me than if I did it in like now. Like, you know, the first time I ever performed the stage, I was 30. Like, tried to write my the, the, the first bit of poetry I showed anybody. I was like, late 20s um and i think that played a role in me not giving a shit about if i do weird unconventional things <laughs> um yeah i can see that because i kind of you know i have like a, a career so it's like it's it's a there's a little bit of freedom in that um yeah it's not like your anxiety pile up in like young... well yeah the no, second it becomes your younger, younger 20s and stuff that like like this is that are like you you you're you're in new york city so a lot of people, you it's a big lights, big city. People come here to achieve those dreams when they're younger. And, like, that is a lot of anxiety. That's a lot of weight. That's mm-hmm. a lot of potential. You know, everyone defines success or failure differently. But, uh, and, and it can make it easier to, like, put yourself in a box to, to sound like the way that will help you make it. Or, you know, it's like, it's tough. I mean, like, I think people sometimes shit on people that do more like, I hate using the word like conforming because I, I don't, um, I, cause like, I love pop, I love some pop music as much as I love a fucking <laughs> right. 20 minute King Gizzard song, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> and so there's like a lot, there's just like a lot of pressure on creatives. They put the most yeah. pressure on themselves, but then there's that outward, like, if you start to have, and then it's like, if you are talented and then someone figures that out then it's like you're navigating this whole world like you were saying with like odb like this whole world of like who's actually on my side who's just trying to make money off me not that i'm even anywhere near that level but i do see it happen to other people that are like more uh, in a conventional avenue of like music or poetry um where like it's like beyond the creating beyond the feeling good about what you're doing then it's right. like there's this whole other world <laughs> that yeah. gets thrown at them and then i think a lot of times then they don't you know a lot of people don't realize like oh now i sound this way or i am this way um which i don't have an answer to that and i don't even know how i yeah. got off on that tangent no well it's, it's all right man that's, that's the whole point of long form um but i think the the, the mental health aspect is so easily overlooked when you get to a certain stage um, in your career, especially if it's like, if that's your sole income is if your art is your income and that's the thing that you depend on to like live and survive in a world that really revolves around money that adds another layer of stress to it. Like you were saying, right? Like that's not easy to maintain. Whereas if you're making your art as your, you know, it's your side hustle. I'm doing this for fun. And if, money comes along that's good and great it, there's a little bit less pressure there and there's not there's nothing wrong with either side of that coin i mean 
people sure. have preferences, right? But, you know, making that choice, there's also consequences that come with that choice, just like any other choice you make. Any other action you take, you're going to have something that comes along with it sure. unexpected. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line, and I don't think anyone has an answer, even though many people claim to have an answer. I don't think they do. I'm trying to just figure it out yeah, as we no, go. <laughs> the more creatives I meet, the more in different avenues, and, like, you know, it also makes me realize, like, how highly critical of different creativity I used to be or how, how highly critical I used to be of, like, what I didn't like or uh, yeah. without really – grasping like the difficulty of doing making putting out anything um that's another thing i try to i i I try to keep in mind more is like um putting anything out is hard yeah and like and so like not everything you put out is always going to be you know, the exact way you envision it or like, again, freeing up yourself from all that stuff is like, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Even like the apocalyptic hearts, like film, we're all proud of it, but there's definitely every time I watch it, there's things where I'm like, if I had more time or if we had a couple more bucks or like, yeah, uh, right. like you know, all these things you build up in your head, um, like to just get it done is an accomplishment. Um, and that, like, if I have criticism, other people probably have criticism, but you kind of, I don't know, trying to get away from that has been, like, also one of my things I've tried to focus more on, uh, even with my own self, and then outwardly on things, like, less, like, starting off the sentences of, like, I don't like this. Uh, yeah, right. Because I know how hard it is to, like, have a this, <laughs> like, to have a this to put out, you know? Right. Even at the biggest level, I, I my empathetic side kicks in now when I read like a bad review for something, and I really, I don't care if it's like for a director of a film that's made fifty films and they won an Oscar. Nobody wants to read somebody saying like this was fucking trash. Like yeah, right. Like um, nobody wants to read that at any point right, in their right. life. And, and the like, internet, the internet has just amplified the amount of yeah. people who have that voice that 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 negative critique on things and you know not that it's a bad thing like we need criticism to kind of grow and stuff but i I understand what you're saying it's like that because i you know to me this is the entire point and these are like the roots of like what betterism is is trying to take those small little steps to kind of see things positively to try to find that silver lining in things that might be shit i mean that it life hits you hard sometimes but little things like that like seeing reviews on stuff that like i don't even like but seeing negative reviews about it kind of it gets me down it's almost like all right well like are you are you accounting for the fact of like everything else that went in to yeah. that project or are you just totally oblivious most times when you see those like they don't they don't recognize all the extra work that went into something sure. it's you know it's, it's one thing to see a review on like some shitty like D-list movie on Netflix that they spent 10 minutes making, but it's something totally different where the person clearly put their heart and soul into it and it just tanked because it, it didn't work. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't no, know. Right. And it's like, even with criticism, right? Like criticism in itself 
I don't know, it used to be an art form or like, uh, I did believe like, you know, cause there's like, now it's like more like a, like, or it's like more of approach, like a roast. Yeah. Or like right. actual criticism. You, you know, it's usually like a comparative, like a- analyzation within the context of the art form. Um, right. You know, it's just like, it's different than like, uh, than like when you read something and it's like, and I used to, I, used, I, I say this as someone that used to be totally into that, you know, like when like I'd read like a Michael Bay review and it's like, this looked like it was edited with a blowtorch. And you're like, ha 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 ha, we're roasting. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay. Like, yeah, right. Michael Bay. But there's like, well, like is that, that's not actual criticism. Thousands of, thousands of people have worked on that film. Right. Um, uh, and you that's know, not uh, it's not actual <laughs> criticism in that realm this is like at that point you're just making it a meme you know it's mocking right um and then like on the like, other I side of this I, too I, like I just playing devil's advocate it that's sure. also like you put something out into the world like knowing things like that are going to happen right oh, and sure, i'm not trying sure. to defend it but at the same time it's like as an artist putting stuff out like i have to be ready for that kind of stuff because i know it's going to yeah. come at me I think that's when you have to make like the conscious decision of you either really have to figure out a way to never engage with it. Um, like it's like an all or none thing. Like, yeah. Right. Um, like I've not, not that I have any, many things out that have gotten like actual reviews I can pick up and read. Um, but like, I think I'm, I, I think I'd be like sort of thick skinned about it, but like, you know, so yeah, definitely if you're an artist and you're putting stuff out, like, you kind of have to figure out, am I a person that can stomach reading things that might potentially not be good about the stuff I make? Or right. do I have to figure out a way to completely like lock myself off from it? Uh, and like, um, and that door is, that door is going to be different for everyone too. Like everyone has a different entryway to that perception uh, you know you have to you kind of have to like figure out what you're comfortable with um because everyone's gonna have a different level of like i want to throw up after this review or not <laughs> yeah I, so. like, I, i'm i'm like a i'm like a i'll pull, pull the band-aid off because like, i've so i remember yeah me too i remember one time in college i um i made a terrible film like nah, like it was, or it was like one of my earlier years. Um, and I, like, I didn't really know what I was doing, and and like I didn't know a lot of people because I was super introverted, so I didn't have a lot of people that I could ask to help me with it, and so I had to do a lot of it myself. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of energy, a lot of time. Uh, it didn't even come out remotely close to how I wanted it to come out, and um, I like. I had like I had a teacher that like a professor that like stopped it halfway in front of the whole class and straight up was like that's one of the worst things I've ever seen and I'm mm. like in my like you know I'm, I'm like in college and I like Young, I was like yeah. hey I think I dropped you there my bad hey was, yeah no, someone like someone tried calling me and then it like I thought I like I don't know what the hell I did. <laughs> no worries it's all right we can use we'll use it as a, a lo-fi transition to the uh to the rapid fires okay <laughs> um is there anything else you want to say about that you were talking about your that college flick though 
How the, oh, your no, teacher kind of responded to to round out the criticism thing. And then I thought for a long time, like someone telling me that was, that was criticism. And then I had another professor, like a couple weeks later, like watch the film with me. And then instead of just being like, this is terrible. I don't like this. He had like actual criticism, like, like notes, beneficial criticism. Like right. basically being like, all right, this this is said and done and the school year's over and just sort of like moving forward. I Yeah. And then trying to give me actual things that like would benefit me moving forward in when making a film or whatever it was. And it kind of made me realize like, you know, what I thought was criticism and I thought was necessary and then actually having someone um actually criticize it <laughs> like right. you know like right. uh in, in a in a constructive way uh, yeah we have so much more of the former now than the later too yep it's uh i think it's a lost art being able to not only take it but also give it in a way that's not sure. meant to harm people or, the, or their their feelings towards their work but rather instead meant to help them <laughs> and especially if you're doing if you're in like an, a close like a closed knit kind of like collaborative space it's like everything that when someone asks me for my opinion on something it's like if i do think there's like something i would do differently or there's a suggestion if there's no so if there's no potential avenues to a solution to what i don't like about something um there's kind of no point in yeah Right. And bringing that up to someone because telling someone I personally don't like that. That's not help. Only makes them feel bad, if, especially if they're coming to you who they think they either like what you do or they like think you could be some kind of potential help. Uh, that means they respect you in some way. And so to just be like, I don't like that. That's not right. good. Without- it's about how you like frame it too. like when yeah. you're giving when you're giving criticism, you kind of, you frame it as an alternative rather than a, you must change this. It's like, maybe sure. try this thing instead. This might sure. help it, you know? Cause those little, just those little nuances and how you like frame the words coming out of your mouth is really yeah. going to affect the project. I mean, if the person's coming to you to ask you, cause they trust you, like I, I'm assuming that you're going to want to give like authentic feedback and not yeah. kind of just brush them off. I know there's nuances to that relationship pattern too, but at the same time, I, you know, you want to be helpful. That's that's the entire point where that person's coming right. to ask you for it. And that's entirely different than someone leaving a YouTube comment or a comment on a post somewhere. Like that's, totally, totally. it's not, not the same thing, <laughs> but totally. anyway, uh, yeah, this would be a good spot since our call kind of dropped off. We'll switch over to those rapid sure. questions. Um, so I know that you're a returning guest and we kind of, I usually just ask the same questions. Um, feel free to repeat your answers or give current answers. That's totally up to you. However you want to take them. Um, so what are you currently reading at the moment? What are you currently consuming media wise? It doesn't have to necessarily be reading, but what are you into? Um, the past couple months, uh, there's a poetry book that I've come back to, I think like three times now. Um, uh, Crush by Richard Seiken. Seiken, I never know how to say his name correctly. Uh, but I, I love. Um, I've always loved the. Po- I've always loved the. Uh, um, a poem. Uh, it's 
Sharon Zad, I think is like I'm butchering the has always been one of my favorite poems, but I actually never owned the book it was from. And then I finally got it and I've recently read it again because I just love the book. Uh, yeah. I love his uh, just like it's just this like completely honest and devastatingly like tackling of like love uh in pretty raw in a pretty raw form uh, I, 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 I believe he wrote it after he lost uh, after his uh boyfriend at the time had died and so he like the book was like i just loved i just love uh the simplicity of calling it crush and this idea that he challenges like like why do we like kind of like you're just while you're reading it like what an op- what an oppressive and violent word to describe like the way we can feel about someone right crush like I have a crush on you like and how love can like be crushing and like just all like it's it's just like a really beautiful uh, uh, book of poetry that yeah. I have been obsessed with for the past couple months <laughs> sounds like there's so many different layers like you were saying. Uh... To not just the word, but the emotion and how yep. those things kind of interlock, intertie, and interchange each other. Cool. All right, my man. Uh, so has your favorite meal or your favorite dish changed? Have you had any uh, palate changes? I don't know. Did you get COVID? Did you did you lose your taste or what's up with that? I, I don't um, um, I think last time I was on, I said like salmon or something like that. I, I believe I so. I'm like a big fish guy, but like I'm just gonna like because I think I was tossing between that, like trying to be like, oh, what's the fancy dish I like, instead of just saying like pizza, right? But like uh, <laughs> the other, but like the other day, I got my, I got like uh, a, a a white pie from like my favorite spot here near where I live, and um, mm-hmm. and that's like top tier uh, pizza. Um, I like I like luck out by living between like two of the what people would argue are the best pizza places in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, and I got the white pie that I like from the one and, and, uh, and like, I could eat that. I could eat that. <laughs> like, I know it's like such a simple answer, but like pizza is fantastic. <laughs> it is. New York, New York pizza is great. And, um, so I'm going to go hard, with that. Hard to top I, the East coast over here. I'll tell yeah. you that. Cause I think I was wrestling with that last time saying pizza or fish. So now this time I'm going pizza. Go for it, man. It doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. I always try try to, I try to warn guests too. I'm always like, you know, it's, you know, so there's been people on here who were like actual chefs and they make this crazy like souffle thing. But then I've also had people on here who like can't cook and I don't want to offend anyone, but like, if you, it's cool. It's like, that's what you're into. If you love pizza, if you love chicken nuggets, whatever it is. Yeah. I just, it's, you know, different showing. And if I'm being honest, too, pizza is probably my favorite as well. Fantastic. <laughs> there's no. All right, like, cool. There's no such thing as like, like, like there, I guess all oh, like there, like I'll never really use like the word bad pizza because yeah, it's, like, right. it's still pizza. Like, <laughs> like it's pizza. Right. And I may not, I may not like it as much as my local spots, but doesn't mean I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm still gonna eat. I'm still gonna eat this bad pizza because it's pizza right so many different combos too you know it's, <laughs> the options are endless 
Um, all right. And the last question here is, uh, what's, what's one life lesson you got? One, one thing you want listeners to take away, um, to walk away with from our episode today could be from the convo or it could be just something you've been thinking about lately. Um, I think I'm, uh, I'll pull from the convo a little bit. Um, not so much the quality versus quantity thing, but I think I've been like heavy in the middle of edits for my novella. And, um, and then I just came off doing like the revision course for poetics. And Mm. so I've been like really in like the revision editing thing has been like all consuming right now. And like, and I do feel it's really important that like, if anyone was ever in the mindset that I used to be in years ago, where like one and done or like, this doesn't need work or like to like, just really try to break out of that mindset. It's like, it's easier said than done. But once you actually get confronted by an editor or, um, really get like, you start to see the benefit of like having patience with your words, uh, you know, and, and like taking your time again. to like figure out the ways to heighten your voice and like, uh, one thing that I'll say then to add to that, and, and that's what I tell people when I run them through, like, any revision, things that have worked for me, is that, like, to think of editing and revising as, like, you have a toolbox, and not everything in that toolbox is needed for every job, um, but it's, like, good to have all the tools in case you need them. Uh, and so, like, sometimes I'll change setting. Right. And, and, but sometimes it doesn't always work or like, uh, I'm big on like, I'll always have like a phase where I go through and then eventually I get to like my thesaurus phase. And sometimes that doesn't always work. Cause then you turn something into word soup, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, but like you don't know what works or what won't work, um, until you try a bunch of different ways. Cause that's the other thing too, is breaking when you're revising and editing, we think like, oh, that just means like we change some words and we change the order of things. And it's like, it's, yes. so, it's so not much, that easy. <laughs> it's, and, and, but like, there's so much more that you can also do to try to influence. Right. Change something or revising something. But first rule is you have to be open to doing it. So I, yeah. I would definitely encourage people to, to find some more patience after they write something to like, it's only going to benefit you. I like that. That's a good note to end on. Um, I think it was uh, Hemingway. I could be getting that wrong. He's saying the f- the first draft of anything is shit. Yep. You got to keep. You got to get past it. Um, and there's a big difference between copy editing and editing. Sure. I think sure. I think that's pretty important, especially if you're a poet. Totally, hundred percent. All right, man. Yeah, dude. Mister Everyday Bite TJ, thanks for coming on again. Um, for where me. Yeah, man. Anytime. You're always welcome. Where can listeners uh, find you online? Check out your your work. Connect oh, sure. with you. Uh, you can follow me at, at the Everyday Bite. Um, I operate mainly on in, Instagram. Uh, and then uh, in March, I put out a spoken word album called "I Wear Another Man's Name." That's on all streaming platforms. And then if you're into like wanting to explore more of what we talked about, subtle bodies. You can follow us at Subtle Bodies. And then same thing. We have 
Right now we just have an EP out called Apocalyptic Hearts that you can find on all streaming platforms. And then there's a accompanying poetic film for it that you can find on YouTube. Same name, Subtle Bodies, Apocalyptic Hearts. Uh, and that's kind of like everything that's out that people can sort of like see what I'm about. Hell yeah. And I do recommend all of the above are excellent. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. <laughs> when is, uh, just, and last, last thing I'll let yeah. you go. I don't want to take up too much of your time. When is the next thing coming out for you guys? Do you have a date in mind for that drop? Um, we're finishing like the master on, I guess what you could say is like the single for the new album. And that we're going to try, we're trying to drop that by like end of July. Uh, hopefully, hopefully end of okay. July, early August. Nice. Uh, and then we're probably trying to drop like, I'll, I'll, I'll let the veterism podcast in on it. We'll, uh, we're probably going to drop yeah. like four consecutive things, possibly like a month or so apart from each other while we finish up the back half of the album. So that there's just so like a like, singles kind of thing. Yeah. So there's just kind of like half the album kind of existing in the world and people getting used to like it being a little bit different than Apocalypse Hearts while we kind of finish the back half of the album or I should say that the other uh, roughly going to be like somewhere between like eight, eight to ten tracks um nice but yeah that's 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 pretty much that and then awesome at some point I think in this year or early next I'll have a novella out but that's like I'm still edit that's still an edit right now yeah you sound like you're still in a round of edits you got a little yeah. while for that yeah 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 every time <laughs> and that'll you, be out uh if I'm not it. mistaken you're working with uh, Tony for that, right? Two yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's been it's been cool. It's been um, you know, like a little team that I, that was like a, you know getting used to that too. Like working with kind of like multiple eyes on something and navigating that, and then picking and choosing the battles of what you kind of think everyone's on the same page about. But it, but it's been awesome. It's been rewarding, and I literally just turned in the. 12th draft yesterday nice um and we'll see where that goes <laughs> awesome look forward to that as well cool all right man uh it's been real much love as always um mad yeah. gratitude you know how we roll well right. uh we'll talk soon and we'll we'll have to get you and uh denny in on here oh totally yeah anytime man uh, but uh, yeah, no, thanks glenn for doing, doing this and having me back man. i always appreciate it you uh you 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 boost my ego <laughs> no, dude, I spread really, the I, spread I genuinely, the love man i genuinely appreciate it much love to you man yeah all right man have a great rest of your night be well you too dude later well that's it friends thanks for tuning in i hope to swing through again if you'd like to reach out uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning. <laughs>